0: Moncrief on News Talk.
1: Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.
0: Jonathan DeBurke Butler is here to bring a story from other parts of the world. Jonathan, good afternoon. Jonathan, yeah. how are you getting on? Uh, now, this first one. I imagine for any kids listening, or indeed any parents listening, they might want to turn this down. Not because it's offensive anyway, but, but it might give. Yeah, it Might uh, launch a, a a load of court cases in this country because there's probably non- many houses in Ireland have this kind of argument about I don't want to go to granny and granddad's house. Well,
1: well I hope my two don't have that argument at yeah. the moment because <laughs> my grandparents are actually looking after them uh, at the moment. <laughs> so uh, this relates to Italy and a senior or a Supreme Court ruling in Italy that has said that children are under no obligation to see grandparents if they don't wish to. Right now, this comes off the back of a long dispute that's been going on between uh, two parents and their paternal grandparents and a paternal uncle, OK? <laughs> um, it goes back to around about 2017 or 2018, right? And it started off in the juvenile court in Milan, right, with the grandparents and that paternal uncle complaining that they were unable to meet their grandchildren, right? Uh, they won that particular case. The parents went and they appealed it to a higher court, and the grandparents won again. So on the ruling of that second court in 2019, the two children were allowed to go and see the grandparents under the supervision of a social worker, even though the parents objected to it, right? And that's because there was an ongoing dispute Mm, within the family, as often happens, and that's just the way it is. So uh, the parents still weren't happy with that uh, and they went to the Supreme Court uh, just there last week, okay? And the Supreme Court issued its ruling and they said, that even though there was no doubt that children would benefit from a bond with the articulated line of generations, the pair, the children in this case, had expressed opposition to the relationship and couldn't be forced to spend time with their grandparents if they didn't want to, right? Mm. They emphasised the fact that these children were also capable of discernment because they had reached the age of 12. Now, obviously, they didn't give the details of the children, but we can gather from that that they were both over 12 and that they had expressed displeasure Mm. at spending time with the grandparents. Now, whether that was because the parents were whispering in their ear or whatever, or whatever, the other reasons were, we don't know. And it's not really up to the court to decide what the details of the family dispute was or wasn't and whether it had any, you know, uh, if there was any um, uh, uh, influence on, on their Decision not yes, decision to see the grandparents, if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, um, and so that's uh, that's what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, and 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 the grandparents were arguing. I assume that that it was damaging to the children not to have access to. Uh, yeah, to absolutely.
1: Them. And they had a, they actually had a law in their favour, or could be interpreted in a, in a way. There was a law introduced in two thousand and six, which said that a child has the right to maintain a significant relationship with their grandparents, even if the parents separate. And that's where that ruling stemmed from. So I think they might have used that, but given. The fact that the children said, "Well, we don't actually want to maintain that," we never fought for a relationship with our grandparents. The court said, "Well, we can't force you to, and they shouldn't be forced."
0: Yeah, that's it's it's very interesting. Given that you, you see a lot of debate about parental estrangement, which happens when when yeah. uh, a couple a couple sadly split up. This is grandparental uh, estrangement, we'd say. And of all countries, Italy, absolutely, that's, yeah, that's you probably know uh, more than anybody that that's you it's go out and the, it's all about the, the families, yeah, yeah. massive families yeah. out eating together. God, that is that is kind of sad. Right, uh, Australia as well, uh, we're going to go to next. Now, this is, um, God, this is quite disturbing. 648 people charged uh, in a blitz on domestic violence. Yeah. Uh, describe how that happened.
1: Yeah, that, that, I'm glad you asked that question because obviously these are 648 men, right, mainly, hmm. as far as I know. I think they were all men who were all arrested and charged during this four-day blitz but obviously they don't fit the same category, right? Mm. So the, the thing here was that in some instances the police were going after people who hadn't a warrant i had a warrant out on them but they hadn't been found for whatever reason over a period of time there was others who had uh, breached court orders against them right so say so they'd done something they had been sent to prison for 6 months and then they were told when they were released you can't come within a kilometer of your ex-girlfriend or whatever it might be and they breached that so they went after those people mm. but they also went after another cohort which i suspect were suspected or known, shall we say, uh, of being, you know, perpetrators of domestic violence, but they went after them in other ways, right? So for uh, having drugs or for holding weapons, guns, knives, that kind of things that they shouldn't have had, right? So anyway, they did this blitz over four four days. As you said, 648 people were charged and there was over 1,100 charges levelled at these people. And I think the reason they did it was because if you were to do it over the course of whatever 100 days and grab three or four people here and there you couldn't hold a big press conference alright yes right? that,
0: well that's what yeah. I was going to ask you With it, with I mean one of these it was uh, a 51 year old man who was charged with stalking a woman and fitting a tracking device to her car yeah. but that kind of implies that if they only did all this over four days there were many cases of domestic abuse ongoing that they knew about, but they waited until the photo op before they acted on
1: it. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, so that's exactly what they were doing, and they were they were trying to get all the. Re- I suppose they would argue they were trying to get their, all the resources to focus on this one giant swoop. But I think this whole idea of the photo op is very uh, is very strong, if you know, because they could be seen to be doing something about what is uh, Australia's number one crime or number one policing problem, right? This above all else is the thing that they respond to the most. And when you consider that last year there was 17 what they call domestic violence murders or domestic abuse murders, uh, it goes to show how bad the problem is. Yeah,
0: and I think in the UN has, has said that they're somewhat concerned about the level of it in Australia.
1: They are, but then others have pointed out that it's not the only so-called developed nation with this particular problem. Oh, no, indeed it, not. It, it does have a reputation for it somewhat.
0: Uh, right, yeah. Uh, Uganda, uh, we're going to go to next. And uh, a murder charges after a row about a football game.
1: Yeah, and not even a football game that relates to Uganda specifically. This Mm. is about two teams from the Premiership. I know you're not a massive football (laughs) fan, but you are aware of Arsenal (laughs) and Man City. And I'm sure you're aware that they're vying to win the Premiership at the moment. Arsenal just five points ahead of Man City at the moment. Now, they haven't actually played each other in the Premiership yet, but they did play each other about 10 days ago in the FA Cup, Okay. Mm. And uh, Arsenal lost. Right now, at the end of that particular match, a fight broke out. And the next thing you're expecting me to say in London or in Manchester, but it yeah. was in Kampala. And uh, w- the victim, the the man who ended up dying in this case, Alan uh, Kakuk- Kakumba, sorry, was his name, actually tried to intervene in a fight that his brother was involved in and he was stabbed. Now, you could say that it was an isolated incident, but it comes off the back of another incident that took place in January in the same country when Arsenal beat Man Man United in a a very close game last minute goal by Eddie Nketiah. Again, an argument ensued and an Arsenal fan was bludgeoned to death. So there seems to be... A growing problem with this kind of outbreaks of violence or fights, or it could be that it just happened to occur at the same time now some people are speculating because gambling has been introduced quite um, quite extensively in Uganda now that there's more at stake for people and they're, uh, they're more likely to lose the rag over football matches and things like that. But I don't know if that's a bit of a stretch. Uh,
0: but, but it would seem that British football is huge there, though. It's at huge. At same time.
1: Absolutely. All over Africa, it's huge. And there are supporters clubs uh, for both teams in, in, in Uganda and, and all over Africa. Yeah, it just shows the power of, of, of the marketing and the product that they have.
0: Yeah, because we did an item... I forget now I feel I, I, I'm gonna say it wrong I think it's Dundee United or it may have been better yeah, team yeah. uh, I know they're a team yeah <laughs> but 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 it, it, um, but it turned out Dundee have his huge following in Uganda really and and no one in Dundee United knew this um, but Dundee means, in Uganda, it means something else as well. It means, you know, kind of, it's a kind of a vague insult as well. Okay. So uh, it was a very strange uh, uh, tale altogether. <laughs> uh, right, OK, we'll move on from that to uh, Sudan. And uh, the uh, US wants the Sudanese government to rearrest a convicted murderer.
1: Yes, a very interesting story. Um, this goes all the way back to 2008, actually, uh, when on New Year's Eve, a US... Uh, A man from the United States who worked for the Agency for International Development there, a guy called John Granville, walked out of a New Year's Eve party with his Sudanese driver and was shot dead at point blank range by uh, by four attackers. Okay, now those four attackers were eventually arrested. They were put in prison. They escaped in 2010. One of them was rearrested, a man by the name of Abdel Abu Zayed. And last week, uh, he was set free from prison. Now, the reason he was set free, according to the High Court in Sudan, is because they said that he had been forgiven uh, by the Granville family. So John Granville, the American victim... Uh, apparently his family had forgiven him and so therefore in Islamic laws you know mm, if you're pardoned mm, you can be yeah. set free and you get off the death penalty right so imagine this guy's been you know in, in in jail for 15 years and all of a sudden he walks free now straight away the state department came out and said that the Sudanese claim that the Granville family had extended forgiveness is false right we call on the Sudanese government to exercise all available legal means to reverse this decision why would they have thought that they had been forgiven? There is an element of mm. some interpretation here. Right, right. Back okay. Back in 2020... The United States and the government of Sudan did a deal for $335 million, right? It was a compensation package over various different terrorist acts that happened in the past, right? So the Kenyan um, embassy and the embassy in Tanzania in 1998, Mm. which we all remember, and then the USS Cole, which is a a, a ship that was attacked in Yemen and 17 sailors were killed. That was part of the package and this murder of John Granville. So it was all part of a compensation package. To get Sudan in from the international cold, cold as such, and to you know basically say, okay, well there'd be no more court cases brought in the United States against you for compensation. Okay. So the Granvilles we know got some money from that three hundred and thirty-five million dollars. We don't know how much. So it could have been interpreted, interpreted by the Sudanese government that forgiveness was given. Mm. In that context, but yeah. the, the US have come out and said absolutely not. We gave them the money, but they never forgave the act, and they never wished for a pardon to be to be handed out either. Yeah, I guess I think under Islamic law, if
0: you actually pay something uh, um, to, to to the people you've sinned against, so to speak, then
1: Com- it's that's, inferred. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, that uh, that that is the case. Have the Granville family said anything?
1: I haven't seen anything, any quotes from them. I dug deep into this one, to be honest with you, and I couldn't see any quotes from them. It's all going through the State Department. Yeah, highly
0: unlikely. Well, is it likely the Sudanese government might say, saws about this and and hand him over?
1: Highly unlikely because the um, suspicion is that this particular individual who was part of an extremist group back in 2008... Uh, might have friends in high places um, uh, that, you know, might have influenced uh, his being released. Right, okay.
0: Uh, Right, Peru, uh, we're going to go to next. I suppose uh, many of us have seen uh, um, pictures from Peru where um, the country seems to be uh, uh, severed in half at the moment. So uh, no sign of any elections as a, in reaction to this.
1: No, you, you remember the last time we spoke about this was just before Christmas when mm. our favourite plagiarist, uh, Pedro Castillo, former yes. president, uh, was thrown in jail, having tried to um, uh, basically dissolve Congress, who turned around and dissolved him instead. So a new president came in, his former vice president, a woman by the name of Dina uh, Boluarte. And when she came in, there was inevitably protests around how she came to power and the fact that she said that she was going to see out her full term until 2026. A lot of people were very upset by that. So these protests have been going on for the last two months. I don't think people thought that we'd go on for so long, mm. to be honest. Mm. Uh, they really have. And quite a number of people, over 50 people now have died. So they've held numerous votes. To try and get um, an election brought forward, right? So when Boluarte came in, she originally said to the protesters, okay, I won't go till 2026, I'll go until April 24. They said, that's not good enough. We want it brought back further to the end of this year. She put for, she put. she said, okay, and she put forward three votes, but Congress said no. Uh, And now it's been tabled. The last time they had a vote on it was last Monday, I think. And then on Friday, they just put the whole thing to bed. And I don't know for the life of me what the situation is in Peru in terms of the protests going on. Think the ongoing and I don't know how it's going to be resolved. Yeah,
0: because I went. In, I, I pretty much many countries in the world are saying to people, "Don't go to Peru now." And A- everything's and shut down. T- their tourism industry is destroyed. T- roads are destroyed and blocked off, yeah. and all the rest of it. Yeah,
1: everything is shut down. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: so it's, it's it's difficult to see how this how the uh, country gets uh, continue to stagger on in that particular mm. fashion without something happening.
1: In Absolutely, these
0: protests. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. So well, we will we'll keep an eye on that, no doubt. Jonathan will have more to tell us in the in the coming weeks. In the meantime what should we look out for over the next few days?
1: Yeah, but politically, there's just a lot of people flying around the place and, and meeting other politicians. I think the mo- most interesting one is tomorrow where the German defence minister is going to meet the Polish defence minister for talks about what's going on obviously with Ukraine and that kind of thing um, and then uh, World Fashion Week if you're interested in fashion showing starts on Thursday in uh, sorry New York Fashion Week I mm. should say and then on Monday the 13th we'll all be celebrating of course World Radio Day
0: I didn't even know there was a World <laughs> Radio Day but there you go uh, Jonathan thanks many for coming into no, us sure. with, uh, Jonathan DeBurka Butler there